This is a Relay Project. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. Welcome to Real Talk. On this February 9th morning, happy to have you here with us. Ryan Jesperson, John Hicks. Who I've noticed just filled up your coffee mug for the first time in a long time. You're going you're gonna to ride the caffeine. Oh, you're going to call me out. You're going to call me out. I'm just welcoming you back to the fold. I've been making half pots for the last little while with your New Year's resolution, and now I can go back to making full pots so we can so we can get caffeinated together here on these weekday mornings. I'm in here. Yeah, we've got a full day Super Bowl coming up. Our other uh, podcast, The Hedge, has a oh, long yeah. day, so. I thought I'd dive back in. So you thanks are, for calling uh, me out. You guys are gonna you guys are gonna it's okay, buddy. You can ask me how my purge is going in my minimalism game and I would I would be caught spinning my <laughs> tires. I have some catching up to do, some work to do there. Uh, that's at the hedgepod.com. You guys are doing the football, the the Friday yeah. football super special that'll be out on Friday. Obviously, people can check out the hedgepod.com. Yeah, it's gonna be insane, especially for betting. And I know some people are for, some people are against, but the uh, numbers show, and this is in America, and I'm sure they correlate to Canada as well, one in five people yeah in america are going to be placing a bet on the super bowl over 16 billion billion with a b yeah dollars are going to be moving on sunday and people bet and on gambling. things like the coin toss and everything the, 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 the outfit that the anthem singer is going to wear and, the, and, so the special parts i'm doing is the music so rihanna obviously 14 number one billboard hits going to be going up on stage so how many songs will she do what color uh, will her hair be you can bet on all that what song will she do first Last, will there be surprise guests, etc.? It's the the props on the Super Bowl. There's like over a hundred. It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, very cool stuff. I'm surprised. I actually think one in five is low. It seems to me like more and more people are, are getting into it it's easier than ever before. I heard the stat this morning on the radio, and I was like, that that's crazy. Well, one in five people of legal betting age, but I'm sure that's gone up exponentially right. in the last few years with the apps and the easy way to do it. But I will say, just mitigate regulate moderation oh, because yeah, 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 people yeah, yeah. get sure. really intoxicated on Super Bowl Sunday and then they start live betting and it can get out of control. You should have to have a little breathalyzer on your laptop, right? a little breathalyzer totally. on your phone after your if you're if you're plus like 0.2 there's no more betting yeah. allowed. That would be good. Banks might start implementing that. People well, start defaulting on payments. Some apps have already uh, implemented kind of a a notification that says, hey, you've made a few bets in the last yeah. 15, 20 minutes, maybe slow down kind yeah. of thing. So There you go. Yeah. Well, hey, listen, if you don't have anywhere, if you're listening to us from Alberta's uh, Metro Edmonton region, if you're listening from the capital city area and you don't have plans on Super Bowl Sunday, I would love for you to join me at The Ooh. Cabin on Jasper and 116th. You can check it out at thecabinyag.com. It's 30 bucks to get in the door. That includes an all-you-can-eat tailgate buffet johnny they got their famous fried chicken there it includes a commemorative t-shirt it Ooh. includes a pint of moose head i'll be and by. you're entered yeah buddy you're yeah. invited i'll keep a seat at the table for you <laughs> uh entered to win a bunch of great prizes including a thousand dollars cash like literally cash in an envelope no strings attached a thousand bucks one of the great prizes there but you got to get your seats ahead of time it's going to sell out i'm excited to host it at the interestingly enough speaking of defaulting on payments and billions of dollars going one way or another that's exactly what we're talking about today with two guys who you're about to find out really give a rip about the province of Alberta, about Canada, about its environmental and economic well-being. We're going to talk about Alberta's orphans today. Orphan wells, of course, major liabilities. And ultimately, who's 
going to wind up paying for them. Have you heard about this R-Star program? Depending on who you talk to, it's either a pilot that could make perfect sense to address a real problem or a scam. These two have been keeping a close eye on it. Reagan Boychuk is the new energy critic for the Alberta Green Party. He's going to be running as a candidate in his home riding of Banff, Kananaskis in May, arguably the most beautiful riding in the province. He's a researcher with a master's in political science. He studied the political economy of Alberta's oil patch uh, for well over 15 years. Mark Doran, a great friend of this show, is vice chair and director of the Polluter Pay Federation. Uh, Mark's got 45 years of experience in upstream and upstream oil and gas production, the last 15 of them focused on representation of landowners before regulatory and compensation boards. Mark advocates for landowner rights, for public safety, reduction of methane gas emissions, and orphan and inactive well issues. Uh, welcome back to the both of you. Mark, you did the math for me. Which you, you knew I could use some bailing out. I, don't, I, try, I try to stay out of math as best I can. We are one day off of the two-year anniversary of both of your debut appearance here on Real Talk, and you have not eased up on the gas since then. It's nice to see you both back. Thanks for making the time for us today. Thanks for having us, Ryan. Uh, yeah, it's almost two years, and um, big fan of the show. Well, how much has changed uh, when we're talking about environmental reclamation, when we're talking about progress on the orphan well issue? There seems to be more buzz about it now politically because of this R-Star initiative. And I'll get both of you to take us into that with your perspectives. But but what's happened or not happened over the last 24 months or so? Well, since we were on the show last, almost nothing's happened in terms of improvement and how we manage these unfunded oil and gas liabilities. So the only thing that's really happened is R-Star, which we're going to talk about today. And, you know, we're against it. Uh, we're a landowner group. I I'm a director of the Pluter Pay Federation, and today starts the uh, stakeholder engagement with the new energy minister, Pete Guthrie. Uh, they're doing it in a few minutes, starting in Calgary, and we weren't invited. We asked to be invited, but we were excluded. So we're going to suggest that that the stakeholder engagement is well on the R-Star, or what they're now calling the, it's got a new name, Liability Management Incentive Program is just not including the real stakeholders. Okay, well we've been we've been doing some scanning of of, of some of the scuttlebutt around this this R star and I think that you know a lot of times the headlines now we'll take it in context press progress obviously we know where they stand on the spectrum that's you know perfectly fine press progress is on the show several times their headline Daniel Smith is pushing the same 20 billion dollar corporate giveaway that she pushed as a corporate lobbyist. We've got a political scientist, Dwayne Bratt, on the show often, says royalties are paid because, as Peter Lougheed used to say, Albertans are the owners. Uh, says Dwayne Bratt out of Mount Royal University, diverting royalty payments to companies to clean up their own mess is corruption. It's a big word to use. Of course, the Strategist podcast, love that pod. They say, well, we're looking forward to our government payments for following the law or only breaking the law just a little bit. Uh, Reagan, uh, does that fit your assessment of what our star is? Can you take us into the details? That is the basic dangerous premise that they want to use the public's money to fund cleanup. We're struggling with how to get industry to clean up its mess. Uh, Government and regulators haven't been able to solve that mystery. Uh, and so the best we can get is our star, which gives public money to fund this cleanup we desperately need. Uh, and that's an extremely dangerous precedent. The principle is just absurd, unacceptable. No Albertan could ever even consider it. And yet 
It keeps plugging along. It keeps progressing. And this morning, official consultations continue, uh, despite it's contrary to the public interest in Alberta. It cannot be defended. It is absurd to use the public's small share of what we own to give back to industry to clean up the mess that we can just as easily require them to fund. How did we get to this point, Mark? Like, I think the average citizen would be under the standing, uh, under the uh, the impression that that oil companies pay some sort of a deposit when they're uh, given license to drill, and that that deposit would be held in good faith and would be applied toward the cleanup of the well. Uh, what's actually happening? Well, how we got here, Reagan's researched this to a great degree, and we just uh, finished writing a paper on it yesterday, and. It goes back to about 1991 in Alberta when the regulator, then called the ERCB, uh, met with a panel of industry and the, the orphans were just starting then. Uh, and they, you know, industry said, look, if you if you make us put up security deposits and that sort of thing, it'll, it'll affect uh, investment in our companies or in the industry. And so so they reached this deal. Reagan calls it the no look back deal. But but in short, they came up with this, what we call, Reagan and I like to call the safety net. That's the taxpayer and the landowner safety net. And it's something called the orphan fund. So when wells uh, are named orphans or become orphans, or that means no responsible party uh, to clean up, they're designated as orphans and the industry is supposed to contribute sufficient money into the orphan fund every year. That's not happening. And this, this is to retire, close these wells. Uh, it's called abandonment, which means sealing them below surface, cutting them off the lower surface and plugging them. Does not mean they've walked away from those wells. And then doing the site remediation, which is spill cleanup or land restoration, which is called reclamation. So, so how we got here is that industry said, please, no security deposits. And in return, we'll contribute to this fund. We'll fund any bankruptcies of, of members of our industry. So that's how we got here. The industry asked for it. And now the liability management incentive uh, program or our star would change that. And this is changing the rules of the game far too late uh, in the game. And we have uh, landowners have surface lease agreements. They're, they're contractually obligated to clean up the law under the environmental protection enhancement act and other laws um, requires them to clean up. Uh, I, I personally think R-STAR is illegal. I mean, how many laws do we have to change just to bring in R-STAR? So, so that's how we got here. And uh, that's, that's it in a nutshell. Okay, so Reagan, in, in, in layperson's language, like so the average person walking down Banff Avenue can have this conversation and, and understand exactly what we're talking about. What's the benefit to Albertans of R-STAR? If, if, if you had to talk out of the other side of your mouth, if you had to try to sell this to people, what is it? That, that, that the wells get cleaned up and we just sort of pretend like we don't care who pays for it? Like, is, is that it? Well, if you had to say one positive thing about it, it would result in jobs. By paying for the work to get cleaned up, that would <laughs> complete the circle that's missing, the funding part, and people would actually go to work and clean up stuff. That would be great. We'd not only have stuff cleaned up, we'd have jobs. And unless we either force them to as regulators or pay for it as taxpayers, it's not going to happen. So if we did get our start, to the extent we did give public money, it would be spent and it would go into the pockets of oil patch workers. That is positive. Uh, we could do a little bit better though. We have the law on our side, who to pay, the principal is on our side. 
and we can simply require the law be followed. And <clears throat> that's much simpler than um, giving public dollars for this mess. Um, the root of the problem is letting these old wells get to companies that can't afford to clean them up. And regulators recognized that 30 years ago. In 1990, we did the smart thing and we controlled the transfer of these licenses so that you can't just get rid of your old stuff and give it to a sucker to hold on to for a couple of years. Yeah, Reagan, can, <laughs> that, that's flying under the radar. Can can, can we talk about that for, for a little bit? And I, I just have a very surface level understanding of how this is happening. But my understanding is that licenses are being transferred or companies are being sold and then there are insolvencies or bankruptcies announced. And it, it seems to me to be a bit of a scam, a bit of a passing of the buck. Uh, can, can, can we have some real talk about what's actually happening there? The Globe and Mail did an incredible series, uh, six months of really data intense research into what they called the hustle in the patch, this nefarious black market in depleted and inactive licenses, worthless assets that are going to cost a lot of money to clean up. They get traded around like candy in Alberta. For 30 years, you can buy an oil and gas well that might cost a quarter million dollars to clean up. You can buy it for a dollar. And now you're the owner of a big liability that doesn't produce any money. And for decades in Alberta, companies have been allowed to buy thousands of wells for $1. And the regulator approves it. Uh, because of the secret no-look-back deal in 1991, the law doesn't apply, and we the regulator rubber stamps these fraudulent transfers of worthless assets into shell companies. That's who R-Star is targeting. There's a couple hundred companies that don't even produce a barrel of oil, but they have billions of dollars of old wells hiding in these empty shell companies. That's who Daniel Smith's subsidy program targets. The reason we have those companies full of that garbage is we could never get the laws to control license transfers in force. The regulator rubber stamps them. That Global Mail series from November 2018 tracked 650,000 license transfers just in the previous few years to that across Western Alberta and raised some very serious doubts about the financial viability of the companies receiving those. Uh, but nothing has changed five years since. The only regulatory programs, the shadows of their former self that we had, they've been cancelled. They've been replaced with opaque uh, programs that don't have any objective controls. What little protection Alberta regulators gave us in the 90s and by 2000 have been reversed under Kenny. Um, we had programs to monitor this stuff. You can collect money at the start. You can collect it while they're operating. Or you can make whoever's left pay for it when the game is over. Those are the three models open. We missed the first couple boats, but we've legislated the third one. Industry agreed in October 2000 that all remaining licensees would pay for the cleanup of all resulting orphans of this no-look-back deal. It's a very explicit bargain. You'll let us give our old stuff away. When they fail, remaining industry will pay for it. It's the law. <clears throat> we could follow it, and that would solve our problems. Um, the problem is we have a lot of trouble getting the law enforced by the Alberta Energy Regulator these days. Yeah, I, I, I know that the, the both of you, because you communicated as much in emails to me, did, didn't have a, a lot of time for uh, an answer that I got from Alberta's NDP leader, Rachel Notley, yesterday on the show. I, I put a question in front of her from Connor, uh, who's a longtime listener of Real Talk. We sure appreciate that. Connor is an environmental consultant in the oil and gas industry. He asked me to ask Rachel what the NDP's plan would be to encourage or push 
oil and gas companies to complete legally required remediation and reclamation activities. He says, I'm not referring to orphan wells, but active producers. And he said, does your plan involve more carrots or more sticks to get these sites dealt with? And here's what Rachel Notley said yesterday. And we talked about uh, looking at uh, the AER and giving them more authority um, uh, with respect to uh, how they link their approvals to both unpaid bills to municipalities as well as uh, reclamation efforts. And uh, so um, that that's where we're going to that would be the agency through which we did that work. Mark, what was your thought when you heard that? Well, they the rural, rural municipalities have been asking for authority for the AAR to step in somehow on unpaid taxes, and I agree that that authority doesn't exist under existing law. But in terms of of um, authority to resolve these problems, we've got pretty good laws in Alberta. Uh, you know, Reagan and I believe we could tweak them up a little bit, but but. You know, I just wrote a paper yesterday with him cleaning up and sticking with Alberta's oil and gas cleanup laws. So we have really good cleanup laws. We just need to tweak them a little bit. So uh, we don't have timelines in Alberta for reclamation, but we do have criteria where wells need to be abandoned. Abandoned means plugged below surface, sealed and cut off below surface. So so there's all sorts of uh, criteria where wells need to be abandoned. So we're just ignoring them all. So we, there's lots of ways to trigger abandonment of the well. And then the, the statutory scheme, the laws as a whole, uh, Reagan and I belong to Pluto Pay Federation. And the big part of pay is payment to landowners. This is the part that's being overlooked by everyone in Alberta, especially regulators. So the incentive is supposed to be to clean up and reclaim the site because the site reverts back to the landowner. At that point, you don't have to pay the landowner anymore. You don't have to pay your taxes anymore. So the incentive is supposed to be to escape these ongoing costs. But when we uh, brought this up in liability management sessions in 2017, and we asked the Small Producers Association gentleman on stage, you know, I said to him, you know, he's complaining that their big costs are landowner payments, municipal taxes and royalties. And I said, well, why don't you clean up your wells and get reclamation certificates and, and, and these payments to municipalities and landowners can end? And he said, we don't have any money. And that's the problem, Ryan. These, these half of the licensees, half of the companies in this problems are insolvent. So that's the real problem. And that's why we need this orphan fund. Uh, that's why our stars are tear in the safety net that's that's uh, that is the orphan fund. So, you know, we think if we just simply, you know, make some changes to law where instead of the taxpayer paying uh, landowners when these orphans, you know, when there's orphan wells named, the taxpayer is paying the landowners for decades until these things get cleaned up. So we need to just make a few tweaks like having landowners get paid from the orphan fund and will truly have polluter pay here. So the stick is the way, uh, you know, this is what industry wanted. We have to forget about carrots in, in my submission. And, and let's, let's make sure that the AER actually uses the authority that it has granted by law, because it has most of this authority that um, is not be talked about yesterday. Mining coal mining in the Eastern slopes lit such a fire under Albertans, there are so many common threads here, right? Industry activity, revenue, jobs, landowner rights, pollution. Like there are so many common themes. And when people were talking about coal mining on the eastern slopes, uh, some of our highest downloaded shows in this 
history of Real Talk are about coal mining in the eastern slopes. People had lawn signs up, placards, demonstrations, uh, petitions. Corb Lund was singing about it. I mean, everybody was coming together. And yet this, a quarter trillion dollar issue uh and just to say if the numbers are accurate talk show hosts should say things like that a quarter trillion dollar issue and really and i guess this is an indictment of me and my four and a half million fellow albertans it's barely a blip on the radar of public discussion i mean unless you're really paying attention to politics or industry right now you have no idea what r star even is why do you think it's such a difference in the way that it's landing with the general public well i think you answered the question in large part the insignificance of future coal development in comparison to the world's biggest and most powerful industry producing four and a half million barrels a day of oil in alberta um, it's precisely because how weak coal was that everyone found their voice. The environmental groups, the politicians could safely raise their head, raise their voices and stand up for the same principles we're fighting for in these, except we don't have the mighty, they've never faced the mighty oil patch in opposition. The criticism of coal was quite welcome in comparison to the debate we had in Alberta, all of the work that we'd been doing leading up to January 2020, irate landowners threatening sabotage was the number one public policy issue in Alberta in January 2020 before the pandemic. These issues simmering for decades were boiling over. Uh, nothing has happened. Nothing has been solved. The media coverage has disappeared. The, what regulatory programs we have had have been turned off or canceled. Things have gotten worse. Uh, but coal was a very useful vent. Um, and that's generally how energy issues have always been managed. Public hearings are chances for people to blow off steam where things aren't going to go anywhere. It helps manage the temperature. And I don't mean to criticize the integrity or objectives of any of the many wonderful folks involved in those fights, many of them friends and allies of our own. Uh, but I think it's precisely because of the power uh, explains that difference, and that's why it's so difficult to raise these issues. Um, but the after all that, if the official opposition's analysis is that the Alberta Energy Regulator doesn't have enough power and needs more, that's an absolutely frightening conclusion of what's going on here. Uh, the regulator has ex mind-boggling powers to do just about as it pleases. The problem is it chooses not to. It chooses not to make the polluter pay. It chooses to rubber stamp these license transfers that lead to shell companies full of garbage. That's the problem. How does giving them more power do anything but make all of that worse? Uh, the last time the NDP got elected, it was on a promise to review the AER, which hasn't been reviewed since 1940. We had a royal commission by the Chief Justice of the Alberta Supreme Court in 1940 who reported on the regulator and his advice was to monitor tax evasion in 1940. We're still waiting on that, and maybe that's what Notley is promising they'll eventually do. Uh, but that's grossly insufficient, and that is, we have to offer something better. We're headed in a terrible direction. Nothing's improved in the years we've worked on this. May is a huge opportunity to change direction, giving more power to the root of the problem. Our captured regulators could not be a more frightening prescription. Uh, in just a second, I, I, we're going to take a real quick break here uh, because, you know, unlike some of these 
oil companies. We got to pay our bills, fellas. Uh, so we'll be back in just a second. I, I want to ask you about the this 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 fascinating reality in our province, where if you actually stick up for the place, if you actually care about the environment, if you care about the landowners and the people and the kids and the children and our future, you're actually perceived to be a bit of a pain in the ass. You get piled on, don't you? I know that both of you know a thing or two about that. That's where I want to take our conversation. Plus, we're going to talk about the just transition. We're talking to uh, Mark Doran and Reagan Boychuk. You can send us your thoughts if you're streaming this live, if you're listening via the Mixler audio app, live streaming presented by California Closets. Of course, you know you can hit us up, Real Talk RJ, our hashtag, or you can send us an email to talk at ryanjesperson.com. This conversation is presented by our friends at California Closets. I've told you about what they did in our home, uh, in our living room, this phenomenal entertainment center, this this installation that just elevated the game. Our walk-in closets in our bedroom, uh, just absolutely unbelievable what they did with regards to organization and the aesthetic and, of course, the resale value of the home. But they're doing garages as well, and these are next level. Go to californiaclosets.ca and check out what they can do. Their garage storage systems are like... I mean, I haven't seen anything else like it. I mean, this isn't like the sort of out of a box, doesn't really fit, but fits well enough, rickety, fallen over type stuff. These are professionally designed, custom installed garage storage systems that will elevate the game, including beautiful workbenches, a focused storage room with tools and supplies within reach. Make that space one that you're truly proud of and one that you use with ease your garage could be transformed that starts today with a free consultation the team at california closets we're proud to partner with them here on real talk hey speaking of build outs you know the team at at uh complete care restoration did an absolutely unbelievable job with this studio we've been telling you about the vision that we presented to them they worked with our designers to carry this out in, in a way that was unbelievable and, and i'll tell you a secret we haven't talked about this a lot, Johnny, but there, when we got access to this space, there was there was some evidence that there had been some water leaks. I mean, the building's 110 years old, yeah, right? Yeah. There were some things that had to be fixed. We're going, there's electronics everywhere. There's lights and microphones and mm-hmm. cameras, and we cannot afford to have water leaks and compromised spaces. The team at Complete Care comes in. They go, this is what we do. They come into spaces that have been destroyed by flood or fire. They may, may need to get rid of, of mold or asbestos. Construction and renovation is their jam. You can find them online at completecarerestoration.ca. I say it, and it's funny, but they're our only partner. They're our only sponsor that hopes you never have to call them. But if you do have one of those nightmares unfold, fire, flood, or otherwise, your insurance company, likely your policy allows you to choose who does the work. We recommend wholeheartedly the team at Complete Care Restoration. You know, February's a big month at Friesen Brothers. Yesterday, what an interview with Bobby Joe Green in studio talking about her heart health journey. Uh, she's got heart disease. She told us she was she was hoping to have a heart attack so the doctors would take her seriously. Can you believe that? Well, our friends at Friesen Brothers through the month of February are proud to support Heart Month. They're partnering with the University Hospital Foundation and fundraising for the Mazinkowski Alberta Heart Institute through this entire month. You can boost your healthy eating habits with a wide range of heart-healthy choices through the store. Fruit and veggies, uh, fresh and lean Alberta protein, meats, fresh fish, nutritious grains, or of course those fabulous meals prepared by Friesen Brothers Red Seal chefs. 
You can find heart healthy products easily by following the special heart mark in their flyers. You know, if you're in a community, one of the 16 that has a Friesen Brothers in Alberta, you'll get those flyers in your mailbox. If not, you can find them online right now at Friesen.com. And all this talk about jobs, especially in the energy industry, if you've got experience, but you're looking for a change of pace, you want to switch it up, you want to go work for a team that is growing rapidly and innovating every step along the way. Check out apexautomation.ca. They're hiring right now. Their website just received a total overhaul. Looks absolutely amazing. Apexautomation.ca. You can learn more about available jobs in the pop-up there. You can apply right away online. They're getting applications from professional engineers and other skilled technologists around the world who are interested in the work that Apex is doing in engineering, fabrication, and automation. You can check out how they're providing intuitive, fully autonomous solutions to industry on their website right now. That's apexautomation.ca. Hanging out this morning with uh, Reagan Boychuk and Mark Doran. Uh, as we mentioned, of course, uh, Reagan's going to be seeking election in Banff, Kananaskis. Uh, the newly minted energy critic for the Alberta Greens. Uh, good to see the Alberta Greens had an entry in our Pond Hockey Classic over the weekend, by the way. Your leader, Jordan Wilkie, has got dangles. And uh, Mark Doran, a good friend of this show, a director, vice chair as well of the Polluter Pay Federation. Uh, Mark, I alluded to this. Isn't it interesting in Alberta? And, and and I would imagine it would be the same in, I don't know, Detroit, if you were to come down on cars or something like that. Uh, any area that's known for its certain manufacturing, maybe if you started criticizing the aerospace industry in Seattle, I'm trying to think of other examples. Uh, but when you attempt or work hard to hold the energy industry to account in the province of Alberta, you actually kind of get painted as public enemy number one. Uh, despite the fact that, that I know that a love for the province is what drives your work. How do you reconcile that? It's a weird place to be. This is real talk. So I'm going to give some facts. And these facts can be found by anyone on the Alberta Energy Regulator's website. But first, I want to say that the Alberta Energy Regulator has an incredibly broad, difficult, hard job. It's bound to make mistakes. That's why there's all these review provisions in their enabling statute, provisions for hearings, provisions for ways to make landowners to ask for relief. But these requests are ignored and there's virtually no hearings. So it's something that the Alberta um, Auditor General and others called a culture of fear. And it's real. So when I reported real hydrogen sulfide gas floating across Anthony Henday Drive in Edmonton, for example, repeatedly, which I will tell you still occurs to this day, um, I was branded effectively a terrorist at the Alberta Energy Regulator. There's a policy against me uh, dated uh, in December of 2016, and they handle me. There's a there's a there's something called stakeholder engagement, and they handle every request I make. So when I make complaints uh, for my clients all across the Alberta, uh, whether public safety is affected or where there's companies with no licenses on their land, uh, serious things going on all over the province, they just handled this. So now when I appealed a reclamation certificate on my own family land, because they didn't clean up, they got the reclamation certificate, the land's still contaminated, the fence posts are still there, they didn't take out the road. Uh, so I appealed this. There was problems with the Alberta Energy Regulator's uh, computer system called One Stop, and they were cranking out these flawed reclamation certificates and I assume licenses because computers make the decision now in Alberta to, 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 to 
to approve these things, not people. So when I raised this, uh, the hearing commissioners made the decision makers produce uh, a lot of documents. And guess what? 1,200 pages of here's how we managed Mark Doran got produced in that hearing. So it's real. Landowners are afraid to complain. They're, uh, oil, certain oil companies will make examples of them in their community. We've got this culture of fear across Alberta, but it's brewing. Landowners are not getting paid and that's going to come to a head. And uh, we're on a real collision course here because, you know, crime is contagious. If the industry breaks the law and the regulator breaks the law, this is an invite for landowners to start doing so. And, and that's what Reagan alluded to. So, uh, I, I, you know, by no means do I advocate that. Uh, what do you mean? Are you, you talking know, about like Weibo Ludwig? What are you, what are you talking about? Uh, well, uh, bordering on that. Yeah. When, when, you know, landowners have always been mollified because they've been paid and now their payments aren't coming through. And, uh, you know, I've got a client that contacted me two days ago. Uh, you know, he's got orphan wells on his land. And when this happens, they don't get paid their annual compensation. So, um, they can make an application under Section 36 of the Surface Rights Act to the land, what's now called the Land and Property Rights Tribunal, former Surface Rights Board. And the, the Land and Property Rights Tribunal acts as more or less a collection agency. So, so if the operator is no longer there to pay, if they've gone bankrupt and the well's an orphan, the Minister of Environment is ordered to pay the landowner until the site's cleaned up by the Orphan Well Association. And so what's happened is that he got this document uh, that's an order to pay, and it has the force of a Court of King's Bench order. It's dated April 1st, 2021. It's for $18,000 of back payment, which, he, and he's owed much more than that. It's only part, part of what he's owed. Uh, the tribunal didn't send it out for 17 months after the member signed the order. And now it's been presumably at the government for several months, and there's still no payment. So in other words, the Minister of Environment, Ms. Sonia Savage, is ignoring what's effectively a court order to pay a landowner on behalf. This is absolute lawlessness. So this is what we've come to. This is what the government of the day defends illegal oil and gas over legal landowners. And I submit that landowners aren't going to take it any longer. I give talks to them all the time and they're upset. And the only reason they've, they've not been upset in the past is they've been receiving payments. But when those, when those payments increasingly stop, as this industry gets increasingly broke, this will come to a head. And um, I'm not saying, you know, people will start acting like Lebo Ludwig. I can't predict what they'll do. What I'm saying, let's solve the problem so that we don't get anywhere close to this sort of anarchy. Let's return to the rule of law and make sure that oil companies clean up their mess pay landowners and pay municipalities, which was the deal whereby they made gigantic profits for going on a hundred years. Let's just stick to that. Before I thank you both for your time, I want to make sure that we're not leaving anything here unaddressed. I, I wanted to touch on the, the, the just transition, maybe a bit of a leap subject matter wise, but while we're talking about industry and jobs and the economy and everything that people care about in the lead up to a provincial election, uh, I'm going to read a couple of emails in just a moment about that. We've been hanging on to these locked and loaded about the just transition. Real talkers with some good perspectives on them. Uh, Brian Jean, of course, former Wild Rose leader. Now, you know, a minister uh, under Daniel Smith uh, tweeting just the other day under Notley's government, coal workers and communities did not get a just transition out of coal. He says we cannot afford for that to happen again. Albertans deserve better. Uh, what are your thoughts, both of you? I'm asking you the question generally 
on purpose. Uh, Reagan, what are your thoughts on the so-called just transition? And, and where do you see the energy industry going, including employment over the next, I don't know, five to 25 years? Well, it's been an incredibly absurd debate to watch the Alberta government pretend they weren't invited to negotiations, which they were, and then to pretend that it's going to cost jobs when the simple fact of the matter is if we force or pay for industry to clean up, it will result in energy sector jobs. That's what clean up means is employment. It's almost all labor costs. Um, and that's the alternative that cleanup offers. Um, if we held the polluter accountable to pay for its mess, uh, there would be full employment in the oil and gas sector for decades to come. There are hundreds of thousands of wells, decades of work that can be done at no cost to the public. So this silly debate about jobs is really absurd uh, because cleanup is jobs. The Alberta Liabilities Disclosure Project last summer put out a jobs report quantifying down to the county level of how much cleanup is required, how much jobs it would result in. Um, it's more jobs. It's employment for a struggling sector. It is the future. Uh, and instead, um, what we get is our start, which I don't think coincidentally is a direct response to ALDP's job report last summer. Our star first came to our attention as soon as our jobs report came out. First email, first phone call we got was from Danielle Smith, the new premier. She wanted to talk about our star. She wanted to talk about our job report. And we met with her last July and she told the ALDP she had been personally tasked by then premier Jason Kenney to respond to ALDP's job report that said we can have 10,000 jobs a year for the foreseeable future, cleaning up all this stuff. Her answer, her response to ALDP was our star. So the just transition has been a frustrating debate, but can you imagine watching this our star charade continue for a year and a half? The current premier colluding with the former premier through the energy minister who in June told freeholders our star was rejected by the Alberta government. And in Daniel Smith's July leaked letter, she says that Ms. Savage has approved the R star pilot, which I can confirm as true because not only did uh, Daniel Smith uh, meet with us about R star, she later offered me a spot in the R star project. Our jobs report highlighted a well on my grandpa's farm, and she offered me a photo op with the energy minister, Sonia Savage, to clean up my well as part of this pilot. Uh, I wasn't interested in skipping the line and getting my problem solved. I'm trying to solve this problem for all Albertans, and so I rejected it. But I've since watched her become the leader of a party, become the premier, appoint a cabinet, win a by-election, run a whole session in legislature. And despite Mark and I's efforts, we can't get a public debate about this transparent fraud to use public money to clean up the worst old wells. Uh, it has been surreal. We live in a strange place where this is what passes for debate. Uh, it's one thing for the government to claim. It's the problem is the opposition and the media are playing ball and we can't uh, cut through to discuss some of these issues that are urgent importance to all Albertans when we have a really incredible opportunity in May to change the direction of this. The problem is 
Albertans aren't being offered an alternative. I was just going to say, like, if the average person listening to this show is going to go, well, what are you talking about? We have an opportunity to change this all in May because uh, all that the two of you have been saying the entire time is that everybody seems to be on the same page and you're arguing that it's the wrong page. So if you're a citizen that gives a rip about this, I'm, I'm feeling pretty exasperated right now. It's an incredible moment. And we had a very similar one in August 1971. We were in a similar position where we were dominated by the oil industry in the old days. But when Lougheed came in, everything changed. Our inability to enforce the law changed with Lougheed. He's the one who brought in all those wonderful laws, all those wonderful protections, everything that we have enforcing the law. And that's all still on there on the books. And that's why May is such a big opportunity. Whoever forms the next government has the opportunity to simply enforce existing law. And that would be like a revolution in Alberta. Things would change overnight if we follow changing the rules our politicians and wise regulators protected us with. Uh, these issues wouldn't be a problem. Unemployment wouldn't be a problem in oil and gas. There's full employment waiting if we make the polluter pay at no cost to the public. It's a win-win except for the producers. They must be the ones running this place. They must be in charge because we're not allowed to talk about it. We're not allowed to identify them. We're not allowed to name the culprit because they can still afford to pay. The big boys still have lots of money. Their names are on these old wells. And the law says previous owners are liable. The problem is we haven't been able to get the regulator to enforce that law. The next government could, whatever its shape size or character, whether there's a grassroots revolution in the UCP, whether the NDP wins, whether the Green Party wins, or some mixture of any of them. Albertans have the opportunity to act like we own it, to follow the rule of law, and we have a bright future. Otherwise, we can continue down this dark path. It's a short list of politicians whose legacies have aged as well as Peter Lougheed's. Uh, pick up on a lot of respect from people from across party lines uh, for what he was doing as Premier of Alberta. Mark, we'll give last word to you. This is your chance to clean up and sweep up the table and make sure that nothing important is left there. Uh, not to heap pressure onto your shoulders, but you know, oftentimes task a guest with giving us something to walk with today, something to think about, maybe something to ask the next political candidate that knocks on our door between now and May. Sure. The, uh, you know, that was some real talk you just had from Reagan. And uh, what I want to leave you with is that the oil industry is a pretty complicated animal. There's producers, which essentially their, their jobs are shrinking. And then there's a service industry. The service industry in Alberta is where the jobs can be. I live in Red Deer, it's full of cementing trucks. Doesn't matter if you're pumping cement to drill a well or get rid of a well, it's pumping cement. There is jobs all across the province in that. There are uh, opportunities for hotels, for restaurants, for everything. Return to polluter pay, return to the rule of law in this province will generate economic activity like you've never seen. The UCP is not doing it. I think the NDP would like to do it, but they're afraid to look like they're against the oil industry. Look, asking oil companies to live up to the deal they made, uh, not reducing our royalties through our star so we can still fund roads and hospitals and everything else, that's not being against oil and gas. It's just being against illegal oil and gas. Return to the rule of law will return 
this province to prosperity for years to come and clean up, not just for oil workers, but for business in general, creating all kinds of new possibilities. We still have to invent how to seal oil wells long term. Engineers can work on that, uh, you know, get our you know, people in engineering and universities back to work on that. So but if we don't, the and I say quarter trillions low, it doesn't include health. We're all sick from breathing oil and gas in this province, Parkinson's, cancer, MS, uh, ALS, where our hospitals are full because we have the worst methane air quality in the world and around Red Deer area and around Grand Prairie area. We're not responsible oil producers. The government's absolutely wrong on this. Responsible oil producers make sure their operations are safe. They make sure all companies clean up at their cost and follow the law. That's what responsible energy is. So uh, we can lead the world. We should be leading the world, but not in the way that uh, UCP says. So uh, there's an opportunity. Rural voters want this stuff fixed across the province. If you want to have a government appeal to rural voters, uh, fix the Alberta energy regulator, make sure landowners are getting properly paid, cut the huge red tape that landowners have to go through to get paid. They, they, they brought in red tape for industry to make it easier for them to pass trespass on our lands. That's not fair. So just be fair to landowners, follow the law, and we will return to prosperity in this province. Not hard. I hope political leaders are listening and um, we come to our senses before it's too late because we can't afford the alternative, which is way over a trillion costs that'll break our province saw a familiar name pop up in our live chat right now alberta's former energy minister uh, under rachel notley mark mcquake boyd says uh, thanks for this conversation it's an important but complex topic that needs to be addressed appreciate this comment as well from tracy who says there are hundreds of thousands of jobs if we progress uh, says alberta has the most educated population in canada says Tracy, but I'm a firm believer that I feel like reading or researching issues. Uh, she says, maybe these two need to start working on TikTok videos. <laughs> that might be a better way to get the message out, guys. Uh, Tracy could hand us that same indictment. Maybe we need to do more on social media. You guys know, I'm not saying this in a way to denigrate the important work that you're doing at Pluter Pay Federation. Or, again, uh, Reagan, people can check out the Alberta Liabilities Disclosure Project at aldpcoalition.com. But you already said it. It's not sexy. It's not sexy. And, and for that reason, a lot of people just don't pay as much attention to it. But the picture that the two of you have painted today uh, makes it strikingly clear uh, how, how deep uh, this issue lies and how important it is to Alberta's future. I'm grateful for your perspectives and for your availability. We kept you way longer than we asked you to stay. Uh, but there's clearly a lot to talk about, and we're grateful for your time. We've been talking to Mark Doran, director of the Polluter Pay Federation, Reagan Boychuk, energy critic for the Alberta Greens. Thanks for this, gentlemen. Thanks for having us. You bet. You can let us know what you think to talk at ryanjesperson.com. It's a lot to process there. You're totally right when you say it's not sexy, though. Like everyone's talking about the transition to green and everything, but no, not a lot of talk about the cleanup and yeah. what's left over, right? Yeah. And this will be interesting to see as well. I mean, you talk about, and, and Mark, and I'm, he didn't want to say too much because it's like, he's, I know he's not trying to fear monger and he wants to use his platform responsibly, yeah. but he's going, hey, like landowners are pissed. Yeah. And like they're not going to take it. 
And and I go, what do you mean, like Weibo Ludwig? Uh, you know, I mean, people I think are familiar with that story. You know, mm-hmm. Weibo Ludwig uh, obviously, you know, killed a young girl. Uh, you know, shot her while people were joyriding on his property. He was a, he was a fierce opponent to oil and gas development. He uh, I, I can't remember if he was convicted or not. So I'll say he allegedly was involved in in uh, you know, planting bombs and blowing up drill sites and, mm-hmm. and all kinds of things. And um, uh, you know, it, it feels almost glib to say he was a real colorful character. That seems like it. <laughs> Maybe maybe isn't as serious enough as it needs to be, but this guy was a fierce opponent of oil and gas, and that's mm-hmm. why I said to Mark, "What are you talking about there? What do you mean, like Weibo? You mean like sort of um, you know vigilante type stuff?" He goes, "Well, I don't know." He goes, "I don't want to say that." He said, "But landowners are uh, there's only so much they'll take." Yeah. And one of the things I think is interesting about this is that the political dynamic, and you look at the voter leanings in in a lot of these rural areas. Where this is happening, where there are these abandoned wells, these mm-hmm. orphan wells, and subsequent health issues, and, and 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 issues with regards to the health of the environment and the land, and 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 the uh, cattle that graze on that land, the horses, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you look at the way that a lot of those communities, a lot of those jurisdictions vote, and you wonder if that might change. It's yeah. not going to change if there's no difference in policy in the different political parties. And I also understand the position that that Rachel Notley and her senior team and her strategists are in as well. Because, I mean, my Twitter mentions yesterday, just for having Rachel Notley on the show, we're a trash fire and remain a trash fire this morning. You know, people, I'm being called a communist for having a political party leader on the show. Like, we'll have all political parties. Someone says, we'll have, won't you have Danielle Smith on the show? You mean like the first show from our new studio when she came and sat here with me? You mean like the five times before that? Obviously, we're going to have these conversations with party leaders. Obviously, you're going to get Alberta's most real election coverage right here on Real Talk. But you watch how careful the NDP has to be when talking about the energy industry because their opponents paint them as enemies of oil and gas. And you just can't win politically in Alberta if that is the perception of your party. You don't stand a chance. So we will watch with keen eyes. Uh, Our eyes will be peeled. We'll, We'll be as alert as possible looking and digging into the policy proposed uh, by not just the two major parties, of course, you know, Reagan, they're an example as well, says, hey, maybe the Greens will win. I don't think anybody, and this is no disrespect to Reagan or Jordan Wilkie was on our show. If you missed that, check out our The Other Guys roundtable from a few Fridays ago. We said, you know, there are other political party leaders not named Rachel or Danielle. Uh, we brought on three other party leaders that hope to fare well in May. And not have people tell them to farewell. Uh, but, you know, I mean, it's it, it, it's an uphill climb for parties that aren't those, those, those so-called big two. But even getting one of those voices in the Alberta legislature, you imagine you get one Alberta Green MLA yeah. in the Alberta legislature, how that might change the conversation. Mm-hmm. And I know? Know, I know we said it yesterday. I don't really talk about what we vote for, but I think my partner, Jatinder, would be fine. Like, she votes green all the time. Yeah. and And sometimes we have conversations where I'm like, certain elections where I'm like, this is kind of like throwing a vote away. And she's like, if we could just get one of them, you know, you got it. They got to work so hard if to we change could just minds. Nudge in a few of these people. Yeah. I mean, but you know, it's, it's one of those things too. When it, when a race is, I, maybe I'm saying something obvious here, but when a race is perceived to be between two parties, mm-hmm. any third party trying to enter that is mix, a threat. Yeah. Well, they have to battle against that perception where people will say, well, listen, I, I, I'm voting for party a because I don't want party B to win or, or vice versa. And to start considering voting for party C, yeah. you know, they talk about vote splitting and everything else. It's like hey. the Nader effect. 
when George W. <laughs> was laughing wow. because Nader was just, you know, all yeah. these votes were being taken away from the Democrats by Nader, and he was just laughing. Yeah, I haven't heard that <laughs> name in a while. There you go. <laughs> hey, speaking of uh, environmental, and I want to let you know, I'm going to get to a couple of emails in just a second. We've been hanging on to these ones because they're, they're really thoughtful ones, uh, one from Mike and one from Roger, uh, both on Just Transition. That's coming up in just a second. But if, but if you're inspired by this conversation and, and, you know, about environmental responsibility, about sustainability, maybe about next-gen tech, uh, why not check out Kubi Energy today at kubienergy.ca? Uh, they're providing solar energy solutions to power your life, and it, it doesn't matter the context. I mean, the first thing you're going to see on their website is a stunning installation they did on the roof of the Edmonton Convention Center. That entire thing is solar panels. That was installed by Kubi, but you check you check out their projects, uh, and then you'll be able to find out, of course, they're doing stuff on on post-secondary institutions they're doing installations on homes and barns and cabins and cottages and warehouses and i mean you name it kubi offers a wide range of products and services including off-grid solar in bc alberta saskatchewan the northwest territories western canada's busiest and most reputable solar installer is kubi energy you can get your free quote today at kubienergy.ca. Don't forget, on Mondays, they give us reason to smile with their presentation of positive reflections, the good news stories that we need to start our week off with and start it off right. Uh, Park Power does great business with Kubi Energy. Once you got your solar panels installed in the summer months, you're getting more juice than you need. If you're a customer of Park Power, they're going to pay you more for your excess energy, your electricity going back to the grid than any of the big guys. That's just one of the many reasons why it makes sense to take your business to Park Power. You go to parkpower.ca, you click on compare rates, and then you can figure out the rate that's right for you. If you're shopping for electricity, natural gas, or internet, or maybe if you can't decide, you decide to bundle all three with the promo code REALTALK23. That's REALTALK23. They're going to give you a $50 credit on your first bill for every service you bring over. So if you go with the full shebang, internet, electricity, and natural gas, that's $150 off your first bill with the promo code REALTALK23 at parkpower.ca. I saw one of my friends, somebody I'm connected with on Twitter yesterday, talking about her, her power bill. Mm-hmm. And it was higher than she'd ever seen. It was 600 bucks. She goes, been... she goes, oh my gosh, how is it this? Mm-hmm. So I had chimed in. And yeah, we do business with them. But I said, hey, check out Park Power. Here's the promo code. You know who responded to it? Park Power. <laughs> I don't see the big guys out there responding to people. I don't see the big guys tweeting at people. Shout out to Park Power today. Also, a big shout out to Mike and his team at Eden Landscaping. I love this guy. We had a chance to grab lunch a couple of weeks ago, and he says to me, the number one thing is eyes light up. He goes, you tell people if they're having construction issues with regards to their landscape, they just can't solve. Everybody's seen that neighbor with that wonky retaining wall that's hanging on for dear life. You know, you've got that water feature installed, but it's not working right. Basically, it's just a slough in your backyard. Maybe the bricks aren't laying properly on your patio or the, the pergola's leaning over or it's just, just quite frankly a mess. Mike and his team come in and clean it up. They fix it. They do it right. They're a custom landscape builder that to this day, more than 20 years of experience, Mike says we've not encountered a construction issue we cannot fix. I love that confidence. That's the confidence you get as a partner with Eden Landscaping. You can make contact with them today at Landscape Edmonton. .ca. And a big shout out. I know. We'll let the studio band finish here. 
nice. Uh, also, a big shout out, uh, and uh, we don't need the music here. This is just me painting a beautiful picture. Tonight's a big night for us. Uh, tonight, if you're a Patreon supporter of Real Talk, you know the information is already in your email inbox, and, and you can find more about supporting us on Patreon. Uh, use the Connect link on our website, ryanjesperson.com. We're going to be hanging out with about 25 of them. Yeah. A very special event at Whiskey Drop in West Edmonton. It is the official launch tonight of our Real Talk cask number two, Maple Bourbon. And this was done up by the team at Broken Barrel Whiskey Company in California. They have did just a beautiful job. If you go to whiskeydrop.ca, they spell it the Canadian way, so W-H-I-S-K-Y, whiskeydrop.ca, and you click on the search tool. If you search for Real Talk, you're going to be able to find our Real Talk cask number two, Maple Bourbon. And here's the best part about it. I mean, you can go pick it up in store. Obviously, this is a special cask release. There's only 100 bottles available. Well, there were when we launched it. There's fewer now, but they will ship anywhere in Canada. I got a note from a friend of mine down in Calgary. She said yesterday, she said, I've ordered your bourbon. She says, I'm not big on old fashions yet. Mm. She says, but I have a feeling I'm about to be. Johnny, you have sampled the official Real Talk old fashioned using our medical bourbon. Yeah. Uh, your thoughts? Uh, delicious. And I don't want to, again, talk about the last, the number one. Sure. Well, it was just different. It's It was it was different and I, I appreciated it, but this one is, this one's for everyone. This, this is one, a real this, smooth this is, sipper. This is a crowd pleaser for sure. Yeah. So I'm excited tonight to uh, maintain. Because <laughs> there's going to be a lot of tasting well, we've going got, on. We've got six six whiskeys on the docket, and uh, <laughs> but you can sip them, and you don't have to crush them. And we'll have some charcuterie there, and it's there's it's no going to be a great bucket, night. Though. Yeah, there's no spit bucket. Straight yeah. down the gullet. We can get you one. <laughs> no, we can get you one if you need. On. But you can order your bottle of uh, Real Talk Maple Bourbon done up by Broken Barrel again at whiskeydrop.ca. We invite you to send us emails anytime. Anytime something's on your mind, and, and trust me, we get some that are way out there in a good way. Uh, putting issues on our radar that, that maybe we hadn't even thought of. Uh, but these two that I want to read before we sign off for the day, these are ones about the just transition. And we've talked about this uh, with politicians at every level, uh, including uh, a short time ago, uh, federal minister, Randy Boissonneau, liberal minister. And of course, we talked about it yesterday with NDP leader Rachel Notley. And we'll be talking about it uh, with politicians of all party stripes over the next number of months. So you can better understand what this means for you, what it means for industry, uh, what it means for those that are working in particular, of course, in oil and gas. Mike wrote in, he, he said, I'm not surprised uh, by the outrage that we're seeing, uh, including from Alberta's premier right now, or anyone in Daniel Smith's government or their unwavering supporters. They feed off negativity. You know, the sort of performative outrage is like air for them. Uh, but this response to this, the just transition is not how a mature, responsible government should act. Mike says, I want to change the industry that we're talking about, oil and gas. Far too many get their backs up and in a fighting position. The minute that we bring it up, he says, I work in oil and gas. We as a collective society are constantly studying and researching and examining all aspects of our world. We have, there, there's scientific pressure for change, social pressure for change. So, so why don't we look at an industry that already went through what oil and gas is in the early stages of going through? He says, I want to talk about asbestos. Would the premier be putting up the same fight for the asbestos industry and its workers? There's known harm. There was no need for change. So what happened we essentially did away with it. 
Would the United Conservatives be acting the same way now? Looking back, is anybody willing to say that virtually eliminating the asbestos industry was bad, that we should bring it back because of jobs, because of increased tax revenue, uh, because of the economy? He says, every time that I hear people talking about oil and gas, I encourage them to participate in the thought exercise. Replace that with asbestos. It will change your perspective. So why a just transition? Mike says, the oil companies, they don't give two flying fucks about their workers, their community, their province, the country. The executives are in it for one reason. That should be apparent, and it's profit. The environment, which report after report has shown that they all know they've been causing mass damage to, is in a functional society should result in compensation. Some might say, but what about the money that oil and gas companies put in for community projects and charities? He says they're doing it for PR purposes, not out of a feeling of social obligation. We've all seen it. The first ones out on the lower end when things like this happen are the lower end workers, all while these companies continue to post gross amounts of profit. It's workers that will wind up stranded. And this is what the just transition is about. The workers. Look, the world is changing, says Mike. The transition's already happening. You know, 20% of all cars in Norway already are electric. He says you can read more at techexplore.com. He says the entire auto sector is in a rapid and aggressive transition to full EV production. We've talked about that on the show. He says EV demand is outpacing production around the world. Estimates from some auto companies are saying that half of their sales could be electric within the next two years. He says large internationals started pulling out of the oil sands back in 2013, citing this changing landscape and the lack of long or even short-term prospects for that sector as a result. We've already seen employment decrease and operations reduce staff, resulting in, you got it, workers being stranded. Mike says, I really wish that politicians, United Conservatives, New Democrats in this province would stop trying to sell the people of this province on fairy tales. Namely, carbon capture, a greenwashing industry, not anywhere near viable, using vastly more energy and carbon than what it removes, a giant money sink. He says, I'm all for additional research into tech. Just don't try to sell it as some sort of grand savior. We've got to look after our workers. We've got to offer our workers a way out from an industry that, yes, is being phased out by the economics and by global demand. Every sector that uses fossil fuels continues to make announcements around further transition. We must prevent our workers from becoming just another stranded asset. I can't stand when politicians bring up canceled projects. If they really cared about waste, they would want TMX shut down. There have been two parliamentary budget office reports saying that it will never return the cost it was put in. Keystone was a dead project for more than a decade. No progress on the American side, even under Donald Trump, who made such a mess of it. The project had its main environmental permit pulled because Trump pushed certain aspects through without proper consultation. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? He says it's much like what happened here with Stephen Harper. Somewhere along the way, people got it into their heads that any pipeline or any oil project should be automatically approved. That's how these things get shut down. He says, I liken this entire situation to the following. The workers are on the railroad tracks, heads down, working away. The money funneling up from their work. 
The premier, supportive politicians are on the platform telling them to keep working, to not look up. At the same time, yelling at others on the platform, trying to talk to the workers to help us up off the tracks. Why? Because the train of progress is barreling down. It's picking up steam and it's the workers who will be taken out. If you are against a just transition, says Mike, then you are against the workers. If you are against a just transition, you're trying to keep the workers on the track instead of trying to help them up Uh, from Mike and this one from Roger who says, Ryan, I'm squarely behind the just transition. Uh, By the way, he says that he just discovered real talk a short time ago, tuning in from Calgary, which is music to our ears. Yeah. He said it was the episode on uh, Ivan Provorov, the Philadelphia Flyers defenseman that turned him onto the show. He says, then you talked grocery prices. He says, and then you talked just transition. And he says, now I'm listening all the time, Roger music to our ears. He says, I believe that Alberta's premier is painting Justin Trudeau and the federal liberals as the boogeyman because it's politically lucrative to do so. He says, but while she's playing these games, the climate crisis is accelerating. And so is the energy transition that just saw Hyundai, a major auto manufacturer, end sales of internal combustion vehicles in Norway at the beginning of this year. He says electric heat pumps are outselling glass, uh, gas furnaces in the, in the U.S. Just last year, global investment in clean energy reached $1.2 trillion in 2022. He says, you may have heard that my hometown of Calgary is going to be getting 259 electric buses. Chile has 1,000 of them. Colombia, 1,700. China has 421,000 electric buses. The Indian city, Delhi alone, wants 8,000 electric buses by 2025. He says, will any of these uh, jurisdictions go back to diesel after running electric on their roads? He says, every 1,000 electric buses on the roads reduces demand for diesel by 500 barrels a day. What kind of rose-colored glasses are our politicians wearing to claim daily that the world will need Alberta's oil and gas for decades to come? Roger says, I'm deeply concerned about the climate crisis that's ramping up both extreme weather events and sea levels that's making life harder for the poor among us and most other species on the planet. I'm also deeply concerned for Alberta's economy, which will suffer if we lock ourselves onto a vision of continuing strong demand for our favorite export. For both of those reasons, I started a website called Climate Plan Alberta, where so far 38 businesses, 11 nonprofits, and three church congregations have signed on in a nonpartisan call for a robust and credible climate plan for our province, regardless of which party or leader is in power. Roger says some six weeks ago, the premier tasked Minister Sonia Savage with crafting a new climate plan for Alberta. As energy journalist Markham Hislop, a friend of this show, wrote on his energy media website, what the premier has so far and what she's most fond of is not a climate plan, but a marketing plan for Alberta's oil and gas. He says, I would love it if Real Talk would pursue a segment interviewing energy experts or economists to ask what would a strong, credible climate plan look like in 2023? And then Rogers suggests some of the people that he'd love to have on that panel. All of them have been on our roster on Real Talk in past. Andrew Leach, Sarah Hastings-Simon, Blake Schaefer. You can, of course, Google all of them through our archives. He says, I'd like to see it, and I'll continue tuning in your fellow Albertan, Roger. I love that, Roger. Thanks very much. We make a commitment to you, of course, leading up to May 29th, if that does indeed wind up as the election day, that we will explore every avenue that we can figure out 
every angle that matters to you in the context of this looming election. If nothing else, this reiterates that these conversations are more important now than ever before. And that's why we are so grateful for the sponsors of this show that make sure those conversations happen. And ahead of Valentine's Day, our friends at the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park want to remind you that there's nothing like starting your Valentine's celebration with a DQ cake A special one, the Triple Truffle Blizzard Cake, is available right now at the Dairy Queens in Palisades, Nemeo, Newcastle, Westmount, that's my home Dairy Queen, and Baseline Road in Sherwood Park. You can go online and check them out at dqcakes.com. Romance in the air with peanut butter fudge and caramel-filled truffles in this shareable Triple Truffle Blizzard Cupid Cake. Share a sweet moment of Cupid Cake Bliss with your loved one. If you're in a hurry, you can pick up a ready-made DQ cake at any of those stores I mentioned. Or, of course, you can customize your cake. Make sure you give them a call a couple of days in advance. And when you visit a Dairy Queen in Palisades, Nemeo, Newcastle, Westmount, or Baseline Road, you let them know that Real Talk sent you. Oh, I do. <laughs> with your dairy-free dillies, baby. <laughs> hey, coming up on tomorrow's show, very much looking forward to Eric Denhoff joining us. This guy's been a deputy minister. This guy's developed policy across the country. He nails down provincial and federal political issues like very few people can at a street-level understanding. You know, he speaks our language, us lay people. I'm looking forward to that. Plus, our Real Talk Roundtable presented by Urban Timber will celebrate Black History Month three storytellers you will not want to miss. Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson. Executive producer, Josh Dunford. Technical producer, John Hicks. General manager, Katie Cook-Chivers. Account coordinator, Lawrence Durlego. Human resources, Lena Shepard. Website design, Mike Johnston. Voiceover by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Sapria Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Brandy Morin, Anne Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harmon Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Member Emerita, Julie Rohr. Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Soto, and Nakota Sioux, home to the Métis settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is a Relay Project. For more, check out ryanjasperson.com.